Well, you take your Bibles and turn back to Leviticus chapter number 10. And while you're turning, I want to give you a um, kind of an update on two meetings. I mentioned one this morning, I think maybe while I was preaching, about Brother David Phillips' uh, camp meeting over in Alabama. Uh, it's it's going to take you about three hours to get there, um, but it starts tomorrow night and goes through Thursday night. Uh, I think I said all week this morning, but it goes through Thursday night, starts at 6.30 in the evening on Central Time, okay? And so, <clears throat> been over there several times. If you leave by um, uh, no really no later than 4 o'clock, you can be over there in time. Uh, you'll just you'll kind of be running really close. Uh, but if you do go over there, just put in Amazing Grace Baptist Church on your GPS and then just go right past the church to the left. And they um, have built a big tabernacle out there, and that's where they're going to have it. And so uh, they're also doing day services uh, Tuesday through Thursday. I don't, do not remember when they start. I'm wanting to say at 10, um, but um, either Tuesday or Wednesday, uh, Brother Phillips has asked if I would preach, so I covet your prayers in that as well. And then um, some of you know Brother Charlie Smith. Most of you should because he's preached here. Uh, but Brother Charlie or Charles Smith from up in North Georgia, um, he's going to be one of the preachers at a spring jubilee down in, y'all help me if I'm saying it right, Cairo. Cairo, Georgia, uh, at Tabernacle Baptist Church. That'll be March the 19th through the 23rd. And uh, Brother Joey Harris, Brother Charles Smith, uh, Brother Dalton Key, and Austin Elkins will be preaching. Um, but I have a copy of that if anybody would like to see it to get more information. But it starts Monday and goes through Thursday as well. Okay, so um, just keep those in mind. And... Um, if I ever get any invitations from these these meetings or know about them, I try my best to let you know about them. Um, but either folks aren't having them or the information don't get all the way down here to America. So I'm not sure where it stops. But um, I, a lot of times I'll find out about them after the fact. <clears throat> How many's got your place in Leviticus chapter number 10? Say amen. All right, so we're going to read those first two verses. And uh, then I'll get into the the ending of the message today. And I do cover your prayers. Kind of everything comes to a, a point at this at this juncture in the scripture uh, and in the message. The Bible says in verse number one, and Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. So this morning we started the message, Beware of Strange Fire. And I told you, number one, that they had a privilege. And in this privilege we began with they had a godly father. No doubt as such they had a godly upbringing. They had the Word of God. They had the instruction. They knew the way of God. Uh, but with that, that brought some responsibility. Not and now we're not dealing with teenagers here, okay? We're dealing with grown men and they left those things that they grew up learning about. They didn't leave them per se, but rather they thought they had a better way of doing it. 
And uh, as the old adage goes, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Somebody say amen right there. Uh, but then we gave you point number two. We told you about their presumption, and they began to offer strange fire. They offered their own fire. They took fire from, uh, we uh, assume it was fire from off of the altar, uh, but they put it in their own censer, and they began to offer this. And the Bible says that, that God commanded them not to do this. And so that's very key in this. But also, they rejected God's instruction. I gave you Exodus chapter number 30, verse number 9. It says, Ye shall offer no strange incense thereon. And he continues there. We told you about that fire and what it represents. It represents God's righteousness. It also represents of God's favor there in Second Chronicles chapter 17. It represents the Word of God in Jeremiah chapter number 20, verse number 9. His Word was in mine heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. I, I, I wasn't going to say this, but I, I remember when I first got down here uh, and uh, Brother uh, brother John had already retired uh, from uh, the pastorate here, of course, and uh, he was trying his best to, to be respectful to uh, uh, the church and to me being down here and, and allowing the church to adapt to me and, and my ways and <laughs> good luck with that. Uh, but he was doing his his best to try to let everybody adapt to one another, and uh, so he would he would go to different churches. And I've told you this before, uh, but I'd call him and I'd talk to him. We'd visit whatever, and I'd say, "Brother John, when are you coming back?" And and I knew why he was do. I knew why he wasn't here. And uh, he said, well, I'll try to come back soon. He said, but I tell you, it's killing me. I said, well, what is it? And he said, man, every church around here is dead. And they may have Baptist on their sign and they, they, they may be independent. They may do things that we do, but there's something missing. Uh, but the reason why is because, one reason why is because, y'all help me, for 35 years he pastored right here. And uh, for 35 years, pretty much, give or take, there were, there were <clears throat> Sundays and Wednesdays, days in and days out, that he was behind this pulpit. There was something uh, that he was used to. It was a way of life. And and for any preacher or any pastor, it becomes a way of life. And and Brother Dent, he, he was struggling not being where the fire was, if I could say it as bold as that. Uh, and he tried to go out and he preached some other meetings. I was talking to Brother Wilton Grimes a couple of weeks ago and he talked about Brother John going up and and preaching a revival, and what a great job he did uh, in preaching that revival. And I talked to uh, several from up at Twin Oaks, and they they recounted about uh, how that God moved when Brother Dent was up there. And the reason being is because there was a fire shut up in his bones. And 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 I understand what I'm about to say, and I hope that you understand it as well. Uh, though uh, Brother Kurt and I started back in February going to what would be considered a seminary, if you will. Uh, but I want you to know that it is not, uh, it is not designed, what we're doing anyway, is not designed to kill us or to hinder us, but rather to bolster our faith and our knowledge, our, our strength in the scripture. Uh, but there are so many people that they, they out of high school, without a calling of God, they decide that they are going to become a preacher or to become a pastor. And can I tell you, that's not the way it works. You will get burned. I said you will get burned because with, with this, there is a fire. Jeremiah said it was shut up in his bones and you can't play with fire without getting burned at some point. So we, we told you how that the fire there speaks of God's word. 
We close by saying that they tried to force themselves into the presence of God. And I gave you over in chapter 16, verse number 2, and then also in Hebrews chapter 10. But tonight I want to, I want to kind of close this thing down, uh, by giving you number three. I want us to see their punishment. Now again, I don't want to exactly read all the way through all of these next uh, eight or nine verses, but we need to go through these things. Of course, we see first of all, under their punishment, we see the, the judgment. The Bible says there in verse number two, that there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them and they died before the Lord. And they perished by that which they had rejected. Now, I feel as though I need to to explain what I mean by this. In taking fire in their own censors and doing something that God had not commanded them to do, they had essentially rejected God's Word. They had essentially rejected God's authority over them. And as such, they perished by the very thing that they rejected. I could say it a different way. They tried to manufacture this fire again. They saw it in verse 23 and 24 of the previous chapter. They wanted to see that again. They thought they could work that up. And the very thing they thought they were working up ended up consuming them. They offered strange fire before the Lord in verse number one. And the Bible says that, uh, that the fire from the Lord came, it devoured them and they uh, died before the Lord. I believe it is, no pun intended, I believe it is strange that they offered strange fire before the Lord, but then the fire devoured them before himself. And so I want us to understand tonight that, uh, and remember the title of the message is to beware of strange fire. This evening we need to understand that there is a punishment of dealing with these strange things found in the Word of God. We we see a lesson here in verse number 3 down through verse number 7. We see first of all that God must be sanctified in worship. Uh, You and I, we serve a righteous, a holy, a majestic God. And and I dare say, without trying to to jump off into another uh, rabbit trail, we serve a sovereign God. He is sovereign. He is Lord over all. And so He knows the intents of our hearts. He understands those things. But I want us to know today that there is a lesson in that God must be sanctified in worship. I'll read it again here in just a minute, but in passing, remember in John John chapter number 4, God, Jesus Christ was talking to that woman at the well, and she was talking about her forefathers worshiping there at that particular place. And God told, he, uh, told this woman uh, that God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Understand the lesson today in this is that God must be sanctified in our worship. Uh, this is not, and I, I've mentioned this before, God is not just our buddy. 
He is not just our friend, but He is holy. He is righteous. He is mighty. He is lifted high above us. And if we try to worship Him and we try to uh, uh, just just uh, wrap our arms around Him as though He's a friend, maybe a school chum or something along those lines, Brother Jody, we are taking the sovereignty away from God. We are taking the sanctification away from Him. And we are putting ourselves on His level. And though we read this morning, and I'll read it again here in just a moment, that we can come boldly into the throne of God, that doesn't negate the fact that He is still holy. We just preached a message just a few weeks ago out of Isaiah chapter number 6 and how that Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. He heard those seraphims uh, cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. Uh, He felt that coal come from off the altar of God and be touched to his lips and his sins were purged. He heard the voice of God and he said, who will go for us? Whom shall we send? And Isaiah responded, here am I, send me. Understand that that was not just a casual exchange but this was a this was in the very a throne room of a holy God today. And if we're going to learn anything from these men, uh, they thought that they could casually uh, create fire and offer incense. Uh, but it is because that they uh, had not sanctified God in their worship. John chapter number four, verse twenty-four. This is the word. This is the verse I mentioned. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. I mentioned this sanctification. The word sanctified it means to consecrate or to set apart as sacred. I believe that there are a lot among Christianity, a lot among the society, even that are worshiping uh, someone other than God. They're not worshiping the same holy God as the old timers used to say. They're not worshiping the same thrice holy God that I worship today. And we need to be very careful in this. Not not only that, uh, but we also see that God must be approached with reverence. In John chapter number 13, verse 31, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in Him. You've got the Father the Son, and the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost has His own has His own person, has His own name, and it is holy. So guess what? You have the Holy Father, the Holy Son, and the Holy Ghost. And if none of those are holy and they do not take precedence in your life, then guess what, my friend? How you are not giving them the due benevolence that they deserve. God must be approached with reverence over in Acts chapter number 4, verse number 10. The Bible says, Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. He was speaking about a man that was healed there. It says, This is the stone which was set at naught of the builders, uh, uh, of you builders, which is become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. We were in Plains this afternoon. We stopped at the nursing home to say happy birthday uh, to a lady there. And on the way back, I showed uh, Braylon the uh, the ABC News van that was still there uh, behind the, the fire department or whatever that building is there. And uh, she began to talk, you know, how, how it's kind of strange, but it's kind of cool to have a, a news uh, a 
news crew there, uh, especially when you think that just right down the road we have a, a former president of the United States. And, and I said, you know, whether you agree with the things that he did or not as president, and, and maybe he was president when I was born, but I don't remember anything about him. I, I, I couldn't really say that much about it. Uh, but uh, I, I do know that there's a lot of folks that disagree with things that he did and his policies and things like that. Uh, but if you look at Plains, you look at Americas, uh, you see there's a lot of good that he did do. And uh, whether that was true or not, it's still a human being over there uh, that is probably very near. He's nearer now than he's ever been to breathing his last breath. But I want us to know today, if we begin to worship that man, or we begin to look in the White House and worship the man in the White House, or let's bring it down to us, you begin to worship the man behind the pulpit. I want us to know that our focus is on the wrong person. How the Scripture says that we must believe in that name which is above every name, because neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. I could have called my daddy that day that I got saved, and I could have said, Daddy, I need to get saved. I'm trusting in you to make it happen. I'm trusting in you to get to heaven. And there's probably been a lot of people that trust in some family to get them to heaven. But there was something drawing me deep down inside that said, It's not your pastor. It's not your daddy. It's not anybody else. You're going to have to call on God. Because it is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ that you and I have salvation. It's not by any other man, woman, boy, or girl, but only by the Son of God. We see also in Hebrews chapter number 4, verse number 14, it says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. If you were to look in the book of Romans, you will find that we've received that spirit of adoption. And here I begin to think about this coming boldly into the throne of grace and what this is a picture of it's a picture of a daddy on it maybe possibly in a in a business uh, um, uh, venture maybe he's in his office and he's taking care of business uh, but his son or his daughter uh, that he absolutely loves comes in and interrupts that particular business meeting and he interrupts everything that's going on to give full attention to that son or that daughter that he so desperately loves and wants to be with and wants to spend time with that's the picture that we have here because of what Christ did and because him being victorious over death, hell and the grave and ascending into heaven and being our great high priest that was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. I'm glad that we have him that now we can come boldly into the throne of grace, into the throne room of God and find mercy to help in a time of need. Why is that? Because we're we're heirs of God. We're joint heirs with Christ Jesus. We've received the spirit of adoption. We've been given the grace and the strength to be called the sons of God. The reason that we can come boldly to God is because we're His children. God must be approached with reverence. I'm talking about their punishment. 
we see that they died. If you look at verse number 3, it says, Moses said to Aaron, this is it that the Lord spake. He said, I will sanctify in them that come nigh me, and before the people I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. His two boys had just died. And Aaron held his peace. And Moses called Mishael and Elzaphan, the sons of Uziel, the uncle of Aaron, and said unto them, Come, carry your brethren from before the sanctuary out of the camp. So they went near and carried them in their coats out of the camp. Moses said, uh, and Moses said unto Aaron, in verse number 6, And unto Eleazar and unto Ithamar, his sons, Uncover not your heads, neither rend your clothes, lest ye die. Now, I need us to see this just, just quick, fast, in a hurry. I believe we can see right here that God has a very, very clear um, um, perspective description of those in sin and those that are trying to uh, to help in that. He says, don't even uncover your heads. Listen to this number six again. He says, uncover not your heads, neither rend your clothes. He said, don't feel sorry for these boys. Don't feel sorry for Nadab and Abihu. They did this of their own will. He said, don't do it lest ye die, and lest the wrath come upon all the people. But let your brethren, the whole house of Israel, bewail the burning which the Lord hath kindled. And ye shall not go out from the door of the tabernacle of the congregation lest ye die. For the anointing oil of the Lord is upon you. And they did according to the word of Moses. And the Lord spake unto Aaron and said, Do not drink wine or strong drink, thou and thy sons with thee, when ye go into the tabernacle of the congregation lest ye die. Notice all these lest ye dies. God is laying it down. He's leaving no more room. No more room for error. He says, Lest ye die. Verse number 9, we are, it says, uh, uh, It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations, and that ye may put difference between holy and holy, and between unclean and clean, and that ye may teach the children of Israel all the statutes which the Lord has spoken unto them by the hand of Moses. I think over there, in, a, in, a, in a, I believe it's Exodus chapter number 17, uh, when Moses, Aaron, and her on top of the mountain, Aaron, li- or Moses lifted up his hands. The Bible said that Israel prevailed when he let down his hands, the people of Amalek prevailed. And so Aaron and her grabbed a hand on either side of him and lifted it up and stayed his hands until the going down of the sun. After they won the victory, the Bible says, write this for a memorial in a book. And he gave instructions to rehearse it in the ears of his children and his children's children. Listen, there's something to be said about learning from the mistakes of others. Y'all help me now. There's something about learning from the mistakes of others. We don't want others to to make a mistake to begin with, but if we see that mistake and we do the very same thing, the Bible says, lest ye die. Mm. Okay. We see the we see the judgment, they die, they perish before the Lord. We see the lesson, God must be sanctified, God must be approached with reverence, but now I want us to know very quickly the application. We just read you these verses down through verse number 11. There was a warning, and this is unpopular now, and it's not here. I don't think I'm going to get any feedback here. But the Bible says that they should avoid strong drink. Notice what it said. Do not drink wine nor strong drink. Now, we can get into a year-long argument, if you want to, about drinking, and it's going to be wrong no matter which way I flip-flop it. It's going to be wrong. I need about three people to say amen. All right? Don't matter which side of the hill you stand on, it's going to come out to the Word of God, and the Word of God's always going to be right. Come on. But it says, he gives a warning against strong drink. Proverbs chapter 20, verse number 1. Wine is a mark, mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. 
Now, I need you to think about that last little phrase, is not wise. The Bible says over in Ephesians chapter number 17, verse number, or chapter 5, verse 17, Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. I heard a preacher say the other day, how do you know what being filled with the Spirit is? Well, you keep reading. How are you going to be filled with the Spirit? Speaking to yourselves in psalms and in hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. He continues in verse 20, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. He continues in verse number 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear, or if I could say it, the reverence of God. He says, don't be filled with, with wine wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. And then he gave us, what was that, three different verses on how we can be filled with the Spirit. <clears throat> I, I, I just need to blow a head off of a, a little rabbit that popped up. If you're a child of God, now, I, I, again, I was transparent this morning, I'll be transparent now. I, every once in a while, I like listening to an old country song. I'm not going to lie to you. All right, but that's not where my heart is. Well, David, you and I were talking about southern gospel this morning, and it's some. I, I dare say, probably about seventy percent of it is just as junky as anything else you'd see. Nathan, you like southern gospel music, and if you buy an album, there's probably about three on that album that are actually good. The rest of them, take them or leave them. But I, I just need to say this: if you're a child of God, y'all hear me. If you're a Christian, if you're saved by the grace of God, what you listen to, what you listen to needs to be uplifting to God. I've listened to people's music, and I've heard a a couple camp meetings ago, I had a preacher call me on the phone and said, Hey, my girls rode around with some of your girls, and they were listening to all kinds of ungodly music. You talking about a preacher that was hot. Did y'all hear what I said? I done told you I'm a lover, not a fighter. But when another preacher calls me about girls in our church that's listening to ungodly music with that preacher's daughters, and I know preacher's daughters ain't perfect. I got two of them. I at least have one of them. I don't know where the other one is. But if the music that we listen to is so vile and so wretched that it's even if they say God... Even if they say Jesus, even if they say Master or Yahweh or anything else, but it sounds like the world, it's time to turn the channel. It's time to hit eject. It's time to pull the USB out. It's time to turn the radio off. I've said this to several. If y'all ever hear that I got shot or got arrested... I'll tell you what happened, and I'll tell you when it happened, and where. But Terry, you may know. The Circle K down by where we live. If it happens, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm writing my own, my own, this is the news report. He was minding his own business, he was trying to pump his gas, and somebody come up, started playing some Jigaboo jungle music, 
that talked about woman's anatomies and talked about all kinds of ungodly stuff and old boy just went off. It almost happened the other day and y'all been looking for a new preacher. I'm telling you. There's something about music. There's something about music. It can soothe the soul, but it can bring out the absolute worst in you. But David, it was so bad, I quit pumping gas. I got in my, I, I didn't even close the little flipper thing on my gas tank. I was in such a mess, Brother Jim, I got in the truck and I hauled tail. Because it did something to me. It was vile. And there's people in this church, young people and older people, that are listening to trash. They're saying they're saved and they're listening to trash out there. And everybody they go around, they hear. I'm telling you, it's time to clean it up. You say, why in the world are you talking about? You're talking about these people over here in Leviticus. They didn't even have radios. No, they didn't. Neither did they have radios here in Ephesians chapter number 5. But guess what he said? He said, you can fill yourself with the things of this world, or you can fill yourself with the spiritual things of God. And he gives us an entire list of things that we ought to fill ourselves with. I need somebody to help me, or I'm coming down there with y'all. He says, talks about music. Then he said, giving thanks always under, under the things Unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then he says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Now we could talk about the submitting to ourselves. You can if you want to. But let's look at that fear of God. We should have enough respect for one another in the fear of God to not draw someone else into our own sphere of disobedience. You know, one of the easiest things to get dragged into starts with a G and ends with a gossip. Gossip. One of the easiest things for somebody to get drawn into is gossip. And I, I don't remember who it was. Maybe it was Ashton or something. And I said, man, I tell you what, uh, I have noticed preachers over the last several years, they are the world's worst about gossiping. And here's how it starts. Well, we need to pray for brother so-and-so. And then it gets the ball rolling. No, we need to be careful. Y'all still with me tonight? I got just a couple more things. I told you it was going to be short, but I may have lied. There was a warning against strong drink. There was a distinction between clean and unclean. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter number 6, verse number 14, I'll read several verses. Be ye not unequally yoked with unbelievers. Uh-oh. Oh, my goodness. Boy, howdy. We could talk about relationships right here. We could talk about business ventures. We could talk about... Mm, we could talk about churches. We talk about individuals in church. We could talk about... Did I mention relationships? I feel like... I feel like... Um, uh, did I mention relationships, Brother Jody? If we're not careful, we'll allow relationships... To yoke us, you, you, what, what, you used that, the, the epoxy being bound to some things this morning in Sunday school. This, this is, this, that, 
you're being yoked together with an unbeliever. And the Bible says this. He says, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Do you all know what Belial is? Belial, one, is another name of Satan. But all the way back in Deuteronomy, I believe it is, it, it means to be worthless or to be wicked. And he says, what, what communion is there with Christ and wickedness? With Christ and Satan? With Christ and worthlessness? He goes on, verse 16, And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, I dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. There's a distinction between clean and unclean. And that distinction must be carried on from father to son and from mother to daughter. We don't talk about it a whole lot, but I believe it's in First Timothy. It talks about the older men teaching the younger men and the older women teaching the younger women. But where are those older women that are willing to teach those younger women? Where are those younger women that are willing to learn from the older women? Where are the young men? Where are the, the older men that are willing to teach one another and to accept the teaching? Listen, we need to get back to that day where when someone begins to try to teach you something, you can stay there and out of respect understand it and accept it. There's a distinction between clean and unclean. There's some folks who are staring off into Never Never Land this evening. There's some folks folks that they're attentively watching. There's young folks here today that maybe they came from a religious background, maybe they didn't, but they're here today. They've heard about the dangers of doing what God has not commanded. They've heard about doing, uh, uh, of the dangers of not doing the things that God has commanded. They've heard about these scriptures tonight, and they're still going to go out, and they're going to do whatever they want to do. Well, can I tell you this? You have been warned. I've got, I've got a sign in my office at home and it says, beware of dogs or beware of the dog. Well, I can assure you, if I roll up on a house and it's got a gate with a sign that says, beware of dogs, this old boy ain't going in. Now, it could be one of those little bitty dogs that's not going to hurt you. Or it could be a bigger dog than I am. And I don't, I don't, I, I don't want to be surprised, Kurt. But the reason they post those signs is as a warning. And so this evening and this morning, we give you a warning about strange fire. About the doing things that are not pleasing to God. There's a necessity for right teaching. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter number 2. A lot of times we, we, we say this just about preachers, but it can be said about anybody. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 and 16. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings. For they will increase 
unto more ungodliness. There's a lot of vain babblings going on today in the name of God. And all it's producing is more ungodliness. I'm going to give you this testimony, if you will, and then we'll go to the house. Some of y'all may, may wonder why I'm so against the contemporary worship style. Why I'm so against or so for the King James Bible. And here's why. I could give you a lot of reasons why I'm against anything outside of the King James Bible. But I, I want to give you just a, 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 a testimony about this contemporary worship. I've told you before, kind of in passing, that that it carries a sensual spirit. Um, there, there is something about the the style of worship that we call contemporary, and it's it's nothing new. I mean, we got to go back, we got to go back into the seventies, late sixties, and early seventies to really get a hold of this. Matter of fact, there's a whole movie now about it. Do not watch that. Do not watch that Jesus Revolution movie. I'm putting, I'm putting it, I'm putting it on, on recording. Don't watch it. Don't waste your time. Okay? If you already have, it's fine. You know, I'm not going to ridicule you, but just don't waste your time with it. But the reason that I can say this, and it's, it's been a, it's been a fight. It's been a fight. Because, as I mentioned to you before, I, I love music. But I also love the lyrics. And oftentimes, it's a lyric that catches my ear more than it is maybe the music of, of a particular song. And I could think back, I mean, my goodness, even Brother Lance Carpenter sang the song, The Anchor Holds. It's a great song. It's a great song. I, I see absolutely nothing wrong with the song. But it's a contemporary song. I've sang it. The Lord has played it for me. It's a contemporary song. Matter of fact, the writer now professes to be gay, homosexual, whatever you want to call it. Ray Bowles. I've sang several of his songs before I knew all that. And now I have a hard time even trying to sing those songs because of his stance. There's, there's others, other songs that I could call out that, that are very popular now in churches. In churches like ours that started off coming out of Bethel um, and coming out of that contemporary crowd. And, and I'll just say this, that there, there are songs that I believe God does have His hand on, but the deliverance of the song has kind of tarnished it. But if it can get in the hands of someone that can truly sing it in the right spirit, God can honor that. So I, I want to I wanna clarify saying that. Such as Brother Lance Carpenter. I mean, I got a 12 string at the house and I want to be Lance Carpenter so bad, but I can't do it, Brother, Brother David. I sit there and I do one, one strum and I just don't sound right. I, of course, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'd like to be Brother Lance Carpenter one of these days. It's never going to happen, but I'd like to be. But the reason that I'm so adamant about the old paths is because I was so close several years ago to accepting the new paths over the old. 
And I say that to my shame. And it started with, it started with allowing the young folks to do certain things. It started with allowing maybe one, one song to be sang and everybody liked it and thought, well yeah, sing that one again. And then people started learning other contemporary songs and singing them there in the church. That went into uh, different contemporary programs. Some of you may be familiar with D Now, um, Disciple Now. And I guess at its, at its core, there may, may not be anything wrong with that. But in my experience in having it several years at our previous church, there is, there is something underlying that never did sit well with me. Though I may have rejoiced in the, in the activity and the amount of young folks that took place, took part in it, there was something that just didn't sit well. And there's a different spirit about it. Now, you may not understand what I'm saying. Okay? And we're not going to argue about it. But there, there is something about this style, if you will, of worship. And, and as long as the Lord allows, it'll never come into this place. It, 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 there's no, there's no room for that. And the reason being is because, uh, my heart's desire, number one, is for me to be filled with the Spirit. And for you as people in the pews, church members, brothers and sisters to be filled with the Spirit. So there's no need for us to have another Spirit in here. Again, we could talk about different Spirits. The Bible gives us the Scripture that says that our Spirit will bear witness with His. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about, but there's some folks that my spirit just does not jive with. It says, get away. Get away. So said, I said that, and there, there's more to it, but I'll spare you those things. But the reason that I said that is this. There is a necessity for right teaching. It's up to me. I told, told somebody this morning, God didn't call me to be a Facebook pastor. He didn't call me to be the pastor of a church down the street. He called me to be the pastor here. And as such, I have to warn you. Now, Brother Kurt, I'll just be honest with you. I can warn you about these things out of the Scripture. And you could say, I appreciate the warning, but I'm going to do whatever I want to do. Okay, you can do that. You're, you're grown. You can do that. But it is you that has to pay the penalty or the price for that choice of going against the, the warning from God. And there's, there, there are people, maybe here tonight, maybe not, but there are folks that they, they do not want to be taught. They do not want to be shown the right way. Maybe they, they won't, uh, me and Miss Irene talked just briefly about how many kids are here and it's a blessing to see them. But if we sacrifice the Spirit of God for people in the pew, honey, we may as well close the doors. If we sacrifice the Spirit of God and His moving, His direction in this place, just for more programs or for more people or for this or for that, then guess what? It is time for us to shutter the doors and go to the house. We, If we're going to learn anything from... 
from Nadab and Abihu, we're going to have to learn that the things that are taught in God's Scripture are there for a reason. Exodus chapter number 30, verse number 9, Ye shall offer no strange incense thereon, nor burnt sacrifice, nor meat offering, neither shall you pour drink offering thereon. He's talking about the altar. If they didn't listen to that then, Brother Samuel, there was no need for God to give them another warning. He had already told them. We think about Noah and the ark. Peter said that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. We, we say this, that, you know, Noah preached for 120 years. And, and I don't know what his message was. The Bible says he was a preacher of righteousness. Maybe he preached, you need to be righteous. I, I don't know. Maybe he preached judgment to come. Maybe he preached repentance. I don't know. But at least for 120 years, he was out there with hammer and with, with, with wood and he was making this ark. And that was a message in and of itself that judgment is coming. But only eight people got on the boat after 120 years. Not everybody's going to stay in this way. There'll be very few that stay in this way. The old paths. Because so many people are wanting something new. I know we, we, it, it's become a cliche in our circles. They're wanting the flashing lights and they're wanting the smoke and the fog machines. Well, when I say that, I mean it. I'm not saying what somebody else has said. I'm saying it because I've nearby experienced it. And that's not what God intended for us. He intended, this morning we talked about that Shekinah glory, that glory that fell there in First Second Chronicles chapter 7, that glory that fell on the temple of God, that was that Shekinah glory. Guess what, Brother Jody? They wasn't running, ripping, roaring, snorting around. They were, they were outside the temple. And they were given glory for God showing His glory. But in our modern day churches and religions, if you will, people are wanting to be in there and they're, they're wanting to, to, they're, they're saying that God's glory is fallen and they're wanting to be part of the show. Well, David Phillips said it several months ago. His church has got wood everywhere. Everywhere. And he said, boys, if y'all see smoke coming from this stage, He said, call the fire department because the church is on fire. He said, we don't want fog machines and smoke machines. So therefore, if this place is on fire, it's on fire. Get out. When we were tearing this stuff off, I looked at how old some of the wood was. And I thought somebody asked me several years ago if we could have a candlelight service and and y'all can like them or not, it don't matter to me. They give me the heebie-jeebies for some reason. I don't know why. But could you imagine how little time it would take for this church to go up if somebody dropped their candle in here? 